Hello, and welcome to AJC Passport, brought to you by AJC, the diplomatic arm of the Jewish community. Each week, we'll chat with experts from around the world to help you better understand the week's headlines and what they all mean for Israel and the Jewish people. I'm your host, Sefi Kogan. Every year, the AJC Global Forum stage plays host to some exclusive conversations that you could never hear anywhere else. The best way to enjoy those conversations is to see them live in the room where it happens. By the way, registration for the AJC Global Forum 2020 in Berlin is now open at AJC.org, and it is filling up fast. We're going to play the audio from one of those conversations now right here on AJC Passport. Without further ado, here is Addressing the Rise of Global Antisemitism, featuring Ambassador Elon Carr, U.S. Special Envoy to Monitor and Combat Antisemitism, Member of Parliament John Mann, who chairs the U.K. Parliament's All-Party Parliamentary Group Against Antisemitism, and Michael O'Flaherty, Director of the European Union Agency for Fundamental Rights. The conversation was moderated by Director of AJC Europe, Simone Rodin Benzikin. It is my honor to introduce to you our three distinguished guests today. Um, I would like to call in um, John Mann, the member of the Labour Party, member of parliament and the chair of the all-parliamentary group against anti-Semitism. Second, Michael O'Flaherty, the director of the European Union's Fundamental Rights Agency. And last but not least, Elon Carr, who is the US State Department's Special Envoy to Monitor and Combat Anti-Semitism. Gentlemen, I'm particularly eager to hear from you today on what has and can be done on anti-Semitism, on the combat against anti-Semitism. You heard from Ron earlier on the day after. As you could see in the video earlier on, AJC was indeed the first organization, the first Jewish organization, but even organization to really alert European governments that um, anti-Semitism was back, that it was rearing its ugly head again, uh, at a time when honestly most European government leaders wanted to hide theirs in the sand, when most people would say that what we as Jews in Europe were experiencing was in fact not anti-Semitism, but hooliganism or criminality. Now, I think today we find ourselves with a certain paradox um, that fast forward um, nearly two decades, um, most government leaders, most uh, um, politicians in Europe understand that there's a problem of anti-Semitism. You have speeches from Emmanuel Macron, uh, the French president, from Angela Merkel, um, from Prime Minister Theresa May, clearly condemning anti-Semitism. But on the other hand, um, as we could see in the video, as we heard from Ron, um, the reality has not gotten better. Maybe to some extent one could say that it's gotten worse. How do you explain that paradox? And um, also looking towards the future, sort of maybe just as an introduction, what can be done? If I maybe start with you, Michael, easy question. <laughs> yeah, um, well, the first thing, we do need the hard evidence to back up uh, these statements that things are very bad and getting worse, and they are very bad and getting worse. We've established that through 
the largest ever survey of its kind ever carried out uh, on the incidence of anti-Semitism across Europe. What we also see is that it's quite different from country to country in the EU member states. But turning to what can be done, um, look, we've got great rhetoric. You've mentioned impressive speeches. We don't see the serious commitment to make anti-Semitism a top priority at the national level in enough places. And what does that mean in practice? It means being tough on crime. Uh, prosecuting crime against Jews, prosecuting hate crime. Uh, it, it means supporting victims. Uh, Jews don't report the incidents because they don't have confidence that they're going to be treated with respect. What's the percentage on, on, uh, that you evaluate in terms of reporting? It's very low. Um, we, uh, about 80% of incidents are not reported. 80? 80. 80. Uh, this means that the, the official figures entirely understate the situation. Um, people are afraid to go, as, 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 as one person said to me, uh, why report anti-Semitism to an anti-Semite? Uh, so there's a tremendous business of building up confidence and trust in, in the security and the police forces. But when the reporting is made, uh, we don't see enough uh, serious investigation and prosecution. Uh, the, the cases aren't arriving in court. People can get away with it. Um, we need to invest more in providing basic safety. Uh, it's outrageous that in some European countries, the state charges the Jewish community uh, for enhanced security. That's not acceptable. It's a basic right in any society to be kept safe. Uh, and uh, finally, we have to invest in education and awareness raising. 70% of Europeans told uh, the European Union recently in a survey that they don't know enough about Judaism. Uh, and that's from the non-Jewish community saying it wants to know more. We have to reinvest in education and awareness raising, teaching about the Holocaust. Uh, all of this has to be brought back to life again in a fresh new way. Thank you. John, can I? Um, yes, of course. Absolutely. Can I maybe turn um, uh, to you um, exactly on that question? You have been in that field of expertise for a very long time. Why is that paradox, first of all, and what is it that can be done? Politicians need to act, not just talk. That's why there's a paradox. And I think what's needed, I'd use two words. The first is consequences. Every time there's an anti-Semite acting in any way, there need to be consequences for that person or for that organization. If there are no consequences, then it will spread and it will deepen. And we've been very poor at creating consequences for people. So, for example, in my own political party, I raised the money for the legal action that's gone now to a full Human Rights Commission investigation into institutional anti-Semitism. We'll see what happens with that. But it gives a clear message. If you fail to act, there will be consequences. Secondly, consistency. We're very bad at spreading good practice, and we're very shy at calling out bad practice often lack of action. And part of the consistency, and one of the things we've got that can assist us greatly now, is having an international definition of anti-Semitism, the IRA definition. That needs to be adopted in all countries, but also in all civil 
society, organisations, for example, such as the universities. So consequences and consistency. Thank you. Um, Ilan, again. Allow me, allow sure. me first to, to take license, uh, Simone, thank you. And I want to thank my colleagues, uh, Michael and John. And, and I really have to say, uh, I, I, the AJC has been a game changer in the area, of, first of all, in Jewish life generally, but specifically in the fight against anti-Semitism. The, the impact that the, the AJC has made cannot be overstated. And I want to thank uh, this organization that does so much. Uh, at, you mentioned the IRA definition, John. Wouldn't, wouldn't have happened without, without the intervention of, of all of you leaders. Uh, David Harris, you're a wizard. And, and, uh, and I also want to compliment and, and say mazal tov and bat to Harriet. Uh, we're very excited about that. And so thank you for all that you do. Now, about the, your, your question, it's not so much a paradox, Simone, because in fact, it's causal. The rise in anti-Semitism, which is so open and notorious, has forced leaders to take stock of this and to say, how can this be happening? How is this possible? Especially in Europe, we, we have European leaders who are saying, here of all places, it hasn't been that long. We're about to commemorate 75 years of the end of, of the Holocaust when the crematoria stopped operating and already. And so there is, there is a, a disgust and mortification that this is happening. And so I actually think it's highly encouraging that you have leaders, not only at the head of government, head of state level, but all the way down. I've been now in Europe multiple times in my official capacity. I just got back a, a week and a half ago. And there are leaders at all levels of government who are saying this cannot happen. And they also understand, Simone, that anti-Semitism and the fight against anti-Semitism isn't merely a favor to the Jewish people that the fight against anti-Semitism is a fight for the future of the countries and the continent they want their kids to inherit. They get it, they're saying it, and I think that's great. Now, why, why do we not see an immediate change in the situation? Well, first of all, it takes time. And second of all, Michael's right. There isn't enough follow-through. Declarations are very important, that's the beginning, but there has to be follow-through. And I want to suggest that this has to be done in two areas. First of all, the manifestations of anti-Semitism. You've got to attack the actions. Provide security for the communities and make not only Jews feel safe on the street, which is the basic feature of quality of life, but more than feel safe, feel wanted, feel embraced. We talk about tolerance. We want Jews to be respected and, and, and embraced, not just tolerated. And so the manifestations on one side, and then, but at its base, anti-Semitism is an attitude, it's a worldview, it's a, it's a hatred, and that has to be changed, it has to be attacked at its roots, and that starts with elementary school, and it starts with, with uniform, unequivocal condemnation of anti-Semitic action. And that's what we have to do. We have to see unequivocal, unvarnished condemnation whenever anti-Semitic statements are made, and that's can I, critical. Can I actually just follow up on, on this? Thank you. Can I just follow up actually on this, because I would like to speak a little bit about your, your specific role. Um, first of all, it's a role that AJC has advocated for um, a long time, so we're very happy that you're here today. Um, but what is it that you can do in your role, um, more than just sort of moral suasion? What is it that you... Have you, have you laid out a strategy and can you maybe explain to us sort of what is it that you very concretely can do in your role as Special Envoy? Certainly. So the strategy is uh, to look at several categories of 
of anti-Semitism. Um, one thing is, is, is that's critical is textbooks. If, if there is an organized institutional indoctrination of anti-Semitic hatred in kids, that is, that is something that we have to combat and end immediately. Because once you do that, it becomes, I'm not gonna say impossible, but it becomes almost impossible to undo the damage. This is something we see a great deal in the Middle East. Uh, and I'm not talking about Iran, I'm talking about even our allies that are, that are indoctrinating kids in anti-Semitic Can you give us examples? Well, there are textbooks in, in, in the Middle East, in countries, I don't want to start naming countries, but there are textbooks in countries, including our allies, that, uh, that are appalling. And, and that is something that's got to stop. Because again, it's very important to remember, what happens in the Middle East doesn't stay in the Middle East. What happens in the Middle East directly affects the European street and the American college campus. And so the Middle East is a focus, and anti-Semitism emanating from that part of the world has implications internationally, globally. And so textbooks are a key issue. Second of all, thanks to wonderful surveys, like Michael's, like the Frost survey, that, that measures with rigor, with methodological rigor, how Jews are feeling. And, and those numbers are staggering, 90%, like we said, 90% of the Jews in most European countries believe that anti-Semitism is a problem and that it's rising, and a substantial percentage of those are contemplating leaving, literally contemplating leaving their countries because of it. Um, so we have data, we have surveys. Um, our strategy is we want to see those numbers go down. So right away, we want to see through the provision of safety and security, a, a robust infrastructure of it, we want to see those numbers change dramatically where Jews are feeling safe, where they feel they can express themselves Jewishly, and, and where they, you know, they don't, you know, again, if, if you can't leave your house and feel like you're going to come back in one piece or put your kids on a school bus and know that they're safe, you cannot have quality of life. And so that is number two, is, is to see those numbers move. And then finally, number three, is to use the diplomatic pressure of the United States, and again, that's my role, I'm the diplomatic representative of our country on this issue, to use the diplomatic power of the United States to, to have our allies act uh, in concert to focus on this and to do what it takes to bring that down. I, I can tell you that I just had bilateral meetings with three countries. I met with, with senior officials of these governments. For every country, I had a, a, a game plan and a list of asks. Every country is different. The problems are different in every country. I, happened to, I was in Eastern Europe, Eastern and Central Europe, very different from Western <coughs> Europe. But for each country, it's, you know, you're doing, you're doing a lot of things very well. Here's what you're doing well. However, let's talk about A, B, C, D. Uh, what can we do about this? And I'm happy to report, I'm happy to report that um, both because everybody realizes that anti-Semitism is a problem today, and because um, the United States is, is respected in the world and has clout in the world for both those reasons. Uh, when I meet with our counterparts, uh, the response I get is, okay, we understand you care about this, and we understand not only that you care, but your boss and his boss cares about this. And so let's see if we can make this happen. And I couldn't be more pleased by the response I've gotten. Already one country uh, complied with a specific request I made. They dropped a piece of legislation. So it wasn't a small ask. It was a, it was a piece of legislation that was 
about to be introduced, the country dropped that piece of legislation. Uh, that was one of the things I requested. And so uh, we're getting work done. We have a lot to do, but I'm, I'm actually optimistic. And if I weren't optimistic about our chances to improve this, I wouldn't have taken the job. Thank you. Thanks, sir. And thank you for your work. Um, you mentioned, John, earlier on uh, the IRA working definition. Um, this is, um, of course, now very important. It's uh, the European Council, the European Parliament, the State Department, as well as 14 national governments um, have adopted the IRA working definition, uh, which is basically, for those of you who don't know, it's a sort of a guideline of uh, allowing to define um, anti-Semitism in all of its forms, including when legitimate criticism crosses the border and becomes, um, let's call it anti-Zionist anti-Semitism. Um, can you speak a little bit about, to us about why the working definition um, is useful? And more broadly, how do you think um, the sort of this new form of anti-Semitism, the anti-Zionist anti-Semitism, if we want to call it that way, um, can actually be combated? Well, this is a critical way to combat it because if you spend your time in an argument <laughs> over what is anti-Semitic, what isn't, then that's where all the efforts go. Whereas what we are doing now, because there is an agreed definition, is we're then able to call out the anti-Semitism rather than argue about is it anti-Semitism and then create consequences for the anti-Semites. And whether those consequences um, are legalistic through criminal law, through civil law, whether their re-education is important, but without a definition, then what we found was, particularly dealing with left anti-Semitism, is that we went round in a circle of arguing what is anti-Semitism and what isn't. And the critical place we're taking it now is into the political parties, into the universities, into civil society. The best example for us is the world of sport. Well, as we get this definition adopted there, it gives them the tools to actually take their own action and it gives us the ability to hold them to account if they fail to do so. It's absolutely vital, and it's absolutely vital it spreads far further into far more countries and then deeply into civic society and doesn't just lie there as something that politicians can <clears throat> take the box and say, yeah, we've agreed that, that's nowhere near good enough, and it misses the point. You use the term accurately, working definition. Working definition means it has to be put to work. And the best example so far in the world, the best practice in my view, without question, is the way the police force in the United Kingdom uses it as a working definition of what is a hate crime and what should be done about hate crime. That's precise, it's tangible, it brings law enforcement into play. We're able then to use that when people haven't crossed the criminal threshold, but have still done things 
that are dangerous, that are damaging, that are anti-Semitic. Thank you. Michael, I just want to give you the opportunity to, because there has been some controversy, not everybody knows this, uh, about the working definition and uh, the FRA, uh, the Fundamental Rights Agency, um, because at some point um, the Fundamental Rights Agency took it off their website, and so the question was whether the Fundamental Rights Agency actually supports the working definition. Uh, Would you be able to say a few words about that? Sure. I can be very straightforward. I agree completely with John. Uh, this is a, the working definition is a very valuable tool. Uh, I'm delighted that the European Union has adopted it and that it's being adopted across the EU member states. We will work with it. Uh, and uh, so we've no, we have no problem, no issue whatsoever today with this definition. Um, you did, in your earlier question to John though, you asked in applying the working definition, how do you distinguish between speech that has to be tolerated and speech and actions that cross a line? Uh, and there I think it's important to frame the application of the definition uh, in uh, human rights law and practice. Uh, anti-Semitism is a violation of human That's rights. Human right. And so we should bring to bear the, uh, the human rights commitments, human rights treaties, the United Nations in helping us to negotiate here. We need to get the United Nations to become far more engaged in combating anti-Semitism. And uh, by the way, I... You've, um, you've mentioned the important work of the AJC and getting things on the agenda. I'd mentioned the work of the Jacob Blaustein Institute, Institute, which has done so much in, in strengthening the capacity of the UN to respond to human rights abuses. Thank you very much. Um, unfortunately, I cannot believe it, but I'm watching the screen. Um, time is up. If I can just maybe, uh, in a few words, ask you to um, say to say a few words of, of sort of looking towards the future. How optimistic or pessimistic are you about our capacity, our collective capacity, um, to um, combat anti-Semitism, and what gives you hope? So, like I said before, I'm optimistic. Uh, I think we can make real gains in this area. Uh, uh, things are, are bad, no question about it, but, uh, but there is widespread appreciation that, that this has to change. Uh, what can we do about it? Uh, I'll tell you, I think uh, one of the most important things that we can do in this room is unite. Uh, the Jewish community has to be united and cannot fight over what is or is not anti-Semitism. I will tell you that the fastest growing kind of anti-Semitism today is the anti-Semitism that, that uh, clothes itself in the language of Israel hatred and anti-Zionism. And we've got to appreciate that. We've got to fight it. The German Bundestag just voted that BDS is anti-Semitism. And not only anti-Semitism, but they said, that's right, but they said, they said it, it reminds them of the Juden boycott of the Nazi era. That's what they said. That's the Bundestag. We've got to unite around that, and we have to say we are going to fight anti-Zionism everywhere it rears its ugly head. BDS is anti-Semitism. Anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. We've got to move forward together and oppose it, or else this is going to inundate our college campuses and, and, and the European uh, street and, and circles Thank of intelligence. You. Thank you very much. Michael, a few words. Thank you. The, um, I'm not as optimistic. I, I, it's, going to, it's getting worse. We have a long way to go, but we have no choice. Uh, and it, it's not just a, a struggle uh, for Jewish community. It's a struggle for the whole of our societies. Uh, combating anti-Semitism is a test of our civilizations. If we fail it, our civilizations have failed. Thank you. Thank you very much. John. 
The situation's far worse than it was, and not just in my country. The death threats I get, my family gets, come from the left, they come from the right, they come from the Islamists, and there are plenty of people who get far worse than, than me. I'm neither optimistic nor pessimistic. I'm realistic. And that's why I like the AJC. The AJC internationally is our best partner for my organisation. And the reason for that is the AJC has always been the most honest organisation that I've seen. Honest about how bad the problem is, but never overstating any example. Honest is critical. And I suppose I tinge to optimism because when I look round the room, I don't see two and a half thousand delegates. I see two and a half thousand leaders. And what we need are more leaders stepping up to the mark, tangibly, tangibly spreading best practice. And I come back to what I said at the beginning. Let us create consequences for every anti-CMI whether it's at the lowest level of somebody who simply ignores a university student because they're, do it, because they're Jewish. No more than that. There should be consequences for that person to the terrorists and the murderers Thank at every you. level. Thank Let you. us work together to make Here, here, as they say. I would like to thank that panel. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Now it's time for our closing segment, Good for the Jews, where each week I share one final thought about a recent development in the world and try to answer that age-old question. Is it good for the Jews? Pride. Good for the Jews? No, I'm not talking about being proud to be Jewish. Of course, that kind of pride is good for the Jews. I'm talking about LGBT Pride Month, which comes to a close this week. There were highs and lows. On the low end, Jews were barred from wearing or displaying Jewish stars at the D.C. Dyke March, and Iran's foreign minister Javad Zarif defended his country's practice of executing gay people. On the plus side, Israel played host to the Jerusalem and Tel Aviv pride parades, the latter of which hosted a quarter of a million people making it the largest pride parade in the Middle East, indeed in all of Asia, and one of the largest anywhere in the world. And just before Pride Month began, Rabbi Daniel Atwood became the first openly gay Orthodox Jew to be ordained as a rabbi. The world and the Jewish community have advanced by leaps and bounds in recent years on the issue of accepting gay people as they are. We still have a ways to go. But it's great to take time every June to embrace pride. That is good for the Jews. You can subscribe to AJC Passport on iTunes or on Stitcher. Follow us on SoundCloud or learn more at AJC.org passport. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the positions of AJC. We'd love to hear your views and opinions or your questions. You can reach us at passport at AJC.org. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate it and write a review to help more listeners find us. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Sefi Kogan. This episode is brought to you by AJC, the American Jewish Committee. Our producer is Kukang Doe. Our sound engineer is TK Broderick. 
Tune in next week for another episode of AJC Passport.